I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Happy birthday today. And the War Eagle to everybody um, around 
big weekend of college football, big weekend in the NFL. Um, just some real big things going on right now. Got some blue bloods of college football that's going to face each other tonight, Ohio State, Oklahoma, among others. But first off, we're going to jump into the daily devotional when it comes from our, our friends over at In Touch Ministries. And um, this one this one's a great one. Um, this one comes from Romans, Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. So y'all listen up very, very carefully. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For the creation of the world, his his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. Being understood is what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart, their foolish heart was darkened. <laughs> this is about to get good. Y'all listen to this. Look at the delicate veins of an oak leaf, and you experience the beauty of God. Observe the storm-whipped surf beating against the beach, and you witness his power. The Lord's sense of order is revealed in the march of the seasons and the precise tilt and turning of the earth. People need to look no further than nature to understand that God is real. Romans tells us that the revelation of the Lord is sufficient to render unexcusable those who deny his existence, as stated in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, which I just read. There's no reasonable explanation for the creation of the material universe other than an omnipotent God putting it all together. The matter and fuel for a big bang had to come from someone. But nature can't give us a full revelation. Creation does not show the Lord's holiness or eternity. This is why he gave us his word. The Bible reveals God's character, records his laws, and explains his expectations for the faithful. In his pages, we can learn about our Father and the kind of life he wants us to lead. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. As, as mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Scripture teaches us about the living word, Jesus Christ, who is the full revelation of God. The Heavenly Father wanted to ensure that humanity could know him in, intimately. So to make himself known, he sent his God, he sent his son clothed in flesh. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. As stated in John 14, chapter, John chapter 14, verse 7. Spend time in Bible study and prayer And know your father better Man <laughs> I'm going to say it just like this God reveals himself In ways that we We can't explain In ways that we can't Just 
take and run with. Because he comes to us in different ways. He comes to us in ways that we can understand and in ways that enlighten and inspire. Not discourage and and things of that nature. So basically what it is is like to know God is to love God. To realize to reveal to get the full revelation of God. You have to open yourself to him. And as soon as you do that, everything comes into into working order. That's just a little food for thought for you, man. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna jump right into we're gonna jump right into some things that I saw last night that I did not like. Y'all stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Press Boston Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Some college football was played last night, and, and some disturbing things I saw last night, um, especially during the Rice-Baylor game. I mean, it was already awkward enough that Art Browse was in was in Rice Stadium with a Baylor hat on. That was already awkward enough. But the halftime show, really, it really, I, I don't want to say it, it it pissed me off, but from what I saw and from what I've read and what I've heard, you know, when your band makes a formation of a Roman numeral nine and knowing the turmoil, knowing the mockery that knowing knowing the turmoil and knowing, knowing what's going on in regards to that and you make light of it by by doing a personal protest. I mean, I understand why. I mean, I understand the meaning behind it. But for me, it was totally crass. It was totally ignorant. It was... I mean, I just I just can't understand why you would basically belittle the game the way that you did. I mean, if you're trying to make a political statement, find somewhere else to do it. Don't do it on, on a football field. Don't do it in a sporting event where sporting events are that time to bring people together. Now, if you're trying to to divide things, if you're trying to divide a, a person, then you know what? Whatever. That's not cool. That that was deplorable. That was that was one of those things where I can see if a child does it. But this is a school with probably with one of the smallest enrollments in all of Division One sports. You have a rich history in sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's football. And my thing is, you just threw all of that away with one action. Don't like it. Don't care for it. Thought it was crass. Thought it was just completely the wrong time and the wrong place to do that. But it just really bothered me. It bothered me to the core. And I didn't even bother watching the rest of the game, which I think um, Baylor won anyway by like 28 or something like that. I think it was like 38 to 10. But I didn't even bother to watch the rest of the game because there were so many other conflicts that happened in the stands that night. You know, there was going on uh, from the student set from the right student session that had no business being thrown. I, I just thought it was just very, very deplorable. I thought I thought everything about it was bad. It made me really. It made me really, really, really uncomfortable just watching it. It made me very uncomfortable to watch it. It made me it made me cringe just to watch the rest of that game. 
So I, I, I had to turn away. I had to. I mean, it, it, that's how bad it made me. It, it just, ugh. So, my advice to 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 the kids or the, to to people is this. And I, I want people to understand what I mean by this. Before you do something like this, make a formal protest, which is cool, which is all goes back to the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, which, you know, I personally don't, I personally don't agree or care about, but when you see other players, you see other athletes doing the same thing, the Megan Rapinos um, of the world. I mean, you're trying to make conversation. But with this, you were just being really crash. You were trying to ruffle feathers, which is what they're trying to do. But they're trying to do it on a different level. Whereas, because you're hosting this team, you think that because you're in, you think that because they're in your house, that you can show that kind of hospitality towards somebody. That was just crap. Like I said, again, crass, rude, just downright, just ignorant. And I hope that that band doesn't have the opportunity to play to play at, at any sporting event that Rice has for the rest of the for the rest of the school year. Because this this was just I, I don't what I wanna know what people were thinking. I just wanna know what people thought about this whole thing. I wanna know what people really want to say about it. I mean, I know that there's people that would agree with this. I know there are people that would that would say, "Hey, you know, this is this is this is great that the band's sticking up. The band probably doesn't know anything that's going on, because we barely know what's going on. We just know what we've read and what we've heard in in the news in the news feeds and all this stuff, but we we don't know the real reasons. We don't know." What's really going on? We don't know. So, before we even make anything, before we even do anything that that is that was as stupid as that was. I mean, as stupid as that was, I mean that, that there's nothing that we can really say about it, other than it was just crass. It was. I mean, it showed a bit of arrogance to me, and that's what that's what really just just makes me so angry about this whole situation is that the way that it was done, it wasn't done in good taste. It wasn't it wasn't done in good taste. That's all that's all that needs to be said about it. And I'm done I'm done talking about it. And like I said, I hope that the, I hope that the Rice Marching Band gets reprimanded. I hope that they don't get to play any any home games anymore. I hope they don't even get to travel with the team anymore. I mean, and I hope those students that 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 small cluster of students who who um, who basically made a mockery of what Title Nine is, 
and with their little chants and all these things that they that they that they did during the game. This for me just takes the cake and we really gotta look at the Title Nine bylaws and see what what fails. How it fails us, how it how it fails the student athlete. We already saw how it fails student athletes at, at one school in Colorado. Now we're starting to see how it's starting to fail the due process. And I'm sorry that I'm that I'm being political with this. I'm just it, it it just really bothered me last night. It really did, and I I'm, I just need to get that off my chest. But let's go to something more positive today. And you know, college football. That's it. College football for me is 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 a relief. You know, it's a release of emotions. It's a release of everything that that's built up in me. And when you take that joy out of getting everything out out of your out of yourself emotionally. You take that joy away from me. You pretty much take everything that goes along with college football away from me. Rice, the Rice marching band just really messed up my week, messed up my Friday night. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll, we'll, I mean, I'm done talking about that. But we got some big games going on today. You know, you got Iowa, North Dakota State. You have you have Florida State Louisville, which is a really, really good game, and I, I and I'll talk about that in just a few moments. But you know, doing the rundown of, of today's games and the games I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. I mean, some really good games um, that I'll talk about right now. And let's just go ahead and first, let's just start off with Florida State Louisville. This is a, this is a noon game, um, ABC game. I'll tell you this. This is this is what two explosive offenses look like. You have three guys that can basically put themselves into the Heisman Derby, as as I would call it. Get themselves a starting gate. Get themselves a place in the starting gates, so to speak. Dalvin Cook, John J. Francois, and Lamar Jackson. These are the three guys right here, right now, that are on the cusp of being big-time Heisman candidates. It's too early. I mean, I've gone back and forth with my man T-Rex. I've gone back and forth with, with my man Tyrus on this a lot. They throw the word Heisman contender around. After 12 minutes, <laughs> I mean, after 12 minutes of the first game of the season, and my thing was this: it's too early. I mean, I don't usually start talking about Heisman pitcher until week six, week seven, when we get into the meat of the of the of the conference schedule, when we get into big time matchups. This is a big time matchup. This is an early season showcase, so to speak. And it's just like we said in the, in the ACC in the ACC preview and also in the Big Ten 
preview and Pat's in the in the Big Twelve previews. This is a this is the week the week three, September seventeenth, twenty sixteen, is a big week, and uh, and this is the reason why it's a big week. You have guys, you have big matchups, like Louisville, Florida State, that you wouldn't think there would be big matchups until after they played their first two games. Louisville has looked lights out the first two games. Lamar Jackson has 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 acquitted himself so well. He's acclimated himself to the starting to the starting quarterback role at 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 Louisville. He he's a different fit for Petrino's offense, but he's a great fit for Petrino's offense. He's a guy who kind of does things in a Petrino offense that a prototypical guy that was that would be in Petrino's offense couldn't do, like a Ryan Mallett, like a like a Brian Brom, you know, who he had at Louisville, like a Michael Bush that he had one year at quarterback and then moved him to, to running back. So you you've got you've got these different got a different looks, so to speak. But what Lamar Jackson brings to you that is so different is the fact that he can really run. He's very athletic. He's very coordinated. And he's got a strong arm. It's almost Michael Vick-like. It's a flick of a wrist type deal. That's what it, That's what his arm reminds me of, a Michael Vick. This is, this is a different type of game for his state. Florida State still has their struggles on the defensive side of the ball. They're still trying to find they, – they found a little bit of an identity on the offensive side of the ball. They would like to be more balanced than what they are. They would like to get Dalvin Cook more involved in the running game, in the running aspect of, of, their, of their offense, as opposed to their passing side offense. I mean, this is a guy who can catch balls out of the backfield who could be a – I mean, it could be very possible that Dalvin Cook could be a receiver at the next level, could be a slot receiver at the next level. We look at, we're going to look at this from three different angles. If Louisville, Louisville has a stout defense, is very underrated, is very, you know, they're going to get tested for the first time. They got a little bit of a test last week at, at Syracuse when they gave up 28 points. 14 of those points were garbage points. Let, let's just let's put it that way. This Florida State team, they can run at you. They can they can pass at you. Is Louisville secondary strong enough to deal with the receivers that that Florida State have? Is the Florida State receivers ready to catch balls? They've been very – they haven't been very consistent in catching balls. There's a lot of drops in, in the Ole Miss game. They were very sloppy last week in, in the Charleston Southern win. Is this the week that they fought? Because this, this, this Florida State team reminds me so much of the national championship team of 2012. It really reminds me that much of that of that 2012 team, because, and I'll, and I'll give you examples why. 
I mean, not not because of you know James Wilson being a fresh at freshman and Francois being a redshirt freshman, but because of the way the offense started finding a groove. And they really didn't find a groove until they played that first big game of the season. And that was against Clemson. That was a little later in the year. This is week three. You started seeing some of the you started seeing that don't give up attitude at week one where they were down twenty eight to seven and they came back storming and winning the game. Winning the game by eleven. Okay. We look at Florida State defensively. We know that they've got some questions that they need to ask. They need to ask. They need to answer on the defense side of the ball, especially in the secondary. You got two good corners. You have one good safety and one young safety, and the question is, there's not enough communication, and this is what's going to hurt Florida State in this game. If they don't communicate in this game, especially with Lamar Jackson, especially with with Samuel coming out of the backfield, those receivers that Louisville has that, that are sure-handed and can ball, can really ball out. This is what's going to make this game is very interesting. We look at the strong def- strong front seven for Louisville, which, which coming into the season was a question mark because they lost a couple of people to graduation. Now we look at Louisville, and it's like, huh, they actually look better than what we thought they looked. Here's the thing with Louisville. Here's the thing with Florida State that's going to be the difference in this game. Lamar Jackson has better sure-handed receivers, and we know they're going to show up. So Charles Kelly and that pressure-packed defense, will, will Charles Kelly's defense wilt under that pressure that Louisville will, will bring to them. Those are questions that are going to be answered through this game, asked through this game. And for me personally, I like Florida State in this matchup simply because of the Dalvin Cook effect, where he can be multidimensional. He can be that guy that you really need to lean on. Now, if you give him that opportunity to run a ball and you open up the run game a little bit, this is what they did. At, this is how they won the game at Clemson a couple of years ago, that, that 2012 year, the year they won the national championship. This is the exact way how they did it. They ran 80 something plays. They ran 30. They ran 30, 30 runs, 50. I think it's like 56 passes, or something like that. They controlled time of possession. This is that game that if they open up the running game and they really find themselves offensively, the defense is going to follow. So the momentum momentum usually starts from the defensive side of the ball. With Florida State, it's the complete opposite. It starts from the offensive side of the ball. With Louisville, it, they're balanced both ways. But like I said, 
they're a little young in the secondary, just like Florida State is. They got sure-handed receivers. They've got a good running game. And they've got a multidimensional quarterback. That washes what Florida State's going to do. That Florida State's defense. This this is gonna be this is gonna be a, a bit of a struggle for Florida State. I think Florida State will win this game. I think they'll win it simply because of the fact that they can possibly get turnover. They can get turnovers if they get a turnover, maybe two, and they capitalize on that. And they capitalize on that turnover. They'll win this game. And it's the same. And, and let's flip that around, and we look at look at Louisville. Louisville does the same thing. Louisville wins this game. So this is a really much, this is a pretty much a toss up type of game early in the season. But you have to go with the team that has the better running game from the running back perspective, not from the quarterback perspective. If that makes sense, I know it's a home game for for Louisville, and this is what makes this game such such a high stakes game for both teams. Not only does it have conference implications in it, divisional complications, you know, um, implications in it. It also has Heisman implications in it. What what? player is going to put themselves over the top? What player is going to, you know, can Dalvin Cook and, and DeAndre Francois make themselves highly motivated to be to be in that starting block? That this is where it comes from. But I like Florida State in this matchup. And I like Florida State because of the Dalvin Cook effect. And they have a reliable kicker who is Eight for eight, I think. Eight for eight or nine for nine or something like that. You know, and field goals. Enrique Guayo, and I swear to you, it's just like I said in my blog uh, a couple of weeks ago. These Guayo brothers are just like freaking androids. You know, they never miss a kick. So, um, that that's going to be part of it. I like Florida State. I like Florida State by three. Let's move on. North Dakota State Iowa is is one of those matchups where <laughs> it's a really good matchup. The five time defending FCS champion Bison, they're going over to Kinnick Stadium. They're going to play Iowa. Iowa's coming off a very good win last week, a very good season last week, last year when they when they went twelve and two, uh, made it to. A, Made it to a bowl of six, you know, did not win, but still, as great as that, as great as that team was, that was a that was a great team. North Dakota State, Iowa, this could this could go back and forth. North Dakota State is not the North Dakota State team of of the past five years, where they've had quarterbacks come in and 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 stick around. You know, no more Carson Wentz is Eastern Stick. Eastern Stick is eleven and zero as a starter. We know what he can do. We know what he can do over over a period of time. We know how good he is. 
And given the level of competition, and given the given the, the conference that they play in, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, which is probably it since the Southern Conference has has been depleted with Georgia Southern and and App moving up to the FBS level, um, they've supplanted the Southern Conference as being the best conference in the in the, in the nation, you know. In, in FCS, I mean, I know that that the Colonial and the Southland and the Big Sky will have something to say about that, even though Ohio Valley and and in um, <laughs> the Big South, you know, they would they would also have something to say about that as well. But when you look at this on paper, these two teams, they pretty much mirror each other. They like to run. They like to run two tight end sets. They like to, they like to run the ball. They like to get into some play action. They like to, they like to throw the ball to the tight ends. They like to, they like to take, take chances when there's chances to be taken. This is, this is one of those games where, if North Dakota State can limit the turnovers, can limit the time of possession for Iowa, this is a game that they can grind out and win. And and I say this because I've seen North Dakota do this. They've gone they're they're not afraid to go into into hostile territories in, in FBS and win ball games. You you look at what they've done at Iowa State, you look at what they did at K State a couple of years ago. And that that was actually Carson Wentz's first start. They went into they went into Manhattan and beat K-State by two touchdowns. So this is a really good This is, a, I mean, this pedigree for North Dakota State, this sets up Iowa. If Iowa can win this game and win this game convincingly, this sets up Iowa to go through that big gauntlet of, of, of games that they have coming up in the next four, game, in the next four weeks. <laughs> So this is this is a this is a litmus test type deal for Iowa. And North Dakota State is the same way because North Dakota State after this they have a they have an off week and then they go play then they play Illinois State, they play Southern Illinois and they play Northern Iowa all in a four week span. So this is a big time matchup for both teams. This is a great litmus test for North Dakota State. North Dakota State has played some of the best teams in that one double A can can throw at you. They've they've already I mean they've they they won a really good game early in the season. They beat Eastern Michigan a couple they beat Eastern Michigan in three overtimes. Both their wins have been in overtime. So you have to you have to look at it from that standpoint. This is a really, really good matchup. Really good matchup. This is a noon game as well. This is an ESPN2 game. So, you know, if you're not going to be watching the Florida State-Louisville game and you want to watch, you know, your favorite team, this is one of those games that you might want to look at. Um, I would say this is one of those games you might want to look at. Now, we move to the two, to the 3.30 games, and I, 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 I'm just going to start right off with it. You know, matter of fact, let me go back to let me go back to the twelve o'clock games. 
upset alert. I'm going to put it out there just like this. This is a really – Ohio, Tennessee, this is a really good Ohio team who's 1-1 one one that could that, that really could have been 2-0 and after, after, that, after that game. Um, this is a good Ohio Bobcats team. They've got great. They've got a great running back in, in um, PJ Lip. They've got a they've got a new quarterback in, in the fall this season. Um, they've graduated. They've graduated a few players from last year's team. That was a really good team last year. Um, Ohio, you know, coached by coached by Bob Solich, who was the former Nebraska coach. He's in his 12th year at, at Ohio. He's close to 80 wins there. I mean, he's brought in a culture at Ohio that he tried to do at at Nebraska where he just followed you – know, he just basically followed the, the pattern that – that Tom Osborne followed. No, that he that was shown him by Tom Osborne. This is a really good matchup for Tennessee. This Ohio Bobcats team, they like to spread you out. They like to they like to run the option. They they like to run a little bit of a, they have a little bit of option in, in their game. But this is a run first team and they like to run downhill. They do run downhill. They they don't get they don't get out on the edge. They've got edge runners, but they don't get out on the edge too much. And when they do get out on the edge, you better watch out. This is this is one of those games where if Tennessee is looking past them and looking toward Florida next week, Ohio can sneak up and beat you. And they will beat you bad. They will embarrass you. This is a good Ohio Bobcats team. Like I said, good defense. Good defense, good offense. You know, the one and one record is not in, is not indicative of what they really are. They're a really good team. They're probably the one of the most consistent teams in all of America that's not in a Power Five conference. They've gone bowling nine of the last eleven years, uh, ten of the ten of the last eleven years under Frank Solich. This this Ohio Bobcats team. Like I said, could pull an upset. Could pull an upset. Watch this game very closely. I, I will say that Tennessee is looking past. If Tennessee is looking past Ohio towards Florida next week, Ohio will upset them. And to be honest with you, Tennessee is too good to look past a team like this. They should not look past Ohio. So I'm gonna put Tennessee on upset alert, and and that that that's gonna be it. I'm gonna put Tennessee on upset alert. Now we're gonna get into the 3:30 games, and there's a couple 3:30 games that a lot of people are really 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 keen on. One of the games that I'm that I'm really looking forward to seeing is the Oregon Nebraska game at 3:30. Nebraska looking really good. They're two and zero. Two and zero, they're at home. They have Oregon coming in, coming into into the, the the sea of red, and 
I'm actually loving this matchup. I love this matchup from this standpoint. Tommy Armstrong Jr. is not turning over the ball. He's matured as a quarterback. He's got a running back behind him. He's making great decisions. Again, again, like I said, he's making great decisions. He's he's running the ball when he needs to be run. He's giving up the ball when he needs to be given up. He's making full field reads now. You know, this is a guy who was very highly talented coming out of Cibolo Steel, um, out of the San Antonio area, went to Cibolo Steel. You know, he's also got a new got a quarterback that's coming out, you know, that could be coming to Nebraska. Um, but back to the point. Tommy Armstrong Jr. is the is the catalyst for Nebraska. You know, the whole Sam Foltz tragedy has galvanized the Cornhuskers in a way that we thought that that would that they wouldn't take. But they've been through times like this before. With the Brooks Banjur tragedy, um with the Bush Banger tragedy uh, 20 years ago, um, you know th- th- that that team was galvanized. That team went out and won a national championship. So this is this is this is one, another one of those those games where you have Mike Riley, who's more of a traditional more of a traditional guy, versus Oregon with. All the different formations, all the flashy little things that they do. Really hardcore defense. Oregon's still suspect defensively. Even though Brady Holtz come in, he he's changed the culture a little bit. And up up in Eugene, there's still some some wrinkles to Oregon that need to be ironed out on the defensive side. Dakota Prukup has come in. And he's made that team better. He, I mean, I remember a matchup between he and Vernon Adams a couple of years ago where Vernon or Eastern Washington beat Dakota Prukup's uh, Montana State team. This is, Dakota Prukup and, and Vernon Adams are pretty much one and the same. The only difference is Dakota Prukup is about, about five inches taller. And he's got a he he's got a bigger arm, but he makes all the better, he makes all the short throws better than Vernon Adams did. Vernon Adams is down downfield thrower. But the point I'm trying to make is this: Oregon, Nebraska. You're looking at one of the blue bloods of college football in Nebraska. You're looking at one of the budding powers in Oregon. We're looking at new school thoughts with Oregon and old school philosophies with Nebraska. What's going to win out? Will the black shirts get that get that big time win that they need? Will Oregon finally get back on track defensively? Can they do things that they want to do defensively? This is this is one like I said this is one of those games you just gotta just gotta look and see. This is a, this is a really good game. I like Oregon in this game because I like the speed and I like the tempo that they that they run in. But Nebraska, 
Nebraska just seems galvanized. It seems like their their focus, the mental focus is there. Mike Riley's finally gotten 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 the team to to buy into some of the into some of the things that he wants to do. So we look at it from that standpoint. We look at it from that standpoint, and I'm 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 looking at I'm looking at Oregon beating Nebraska. But I see it. I see Oregon beating Nebraska by a touchdown. I mean, it, it, that I mean that that would be the best way of putting it. Oregon by a touchdown. The other three thirty game that everybody's talking about. Uh, is Colorado Michigan? Is Colorado? You know, Colorado, Michigan is – we go back and we look at this game. Colorado's 2-0. They're 2-0 for the first time in a long time. And here's the thing about Colorado and Michigan. They haven't met since 1996 in that, in that Hail Mary to win that game. Here's a better question. Does Colorado have the firepower to beat Michigan? The answer is no. <laughs> no. Not even close. Not even a prayer that Colorado has. But can they win this game? They've got They've got the ammunition to win this game, but will they win this game? No. They don't have enough defensively to win this game. We saw what they did against Colorado State. We saw how good they looked against Colorado State. But they're still about a year or so away from being that big-time program, being that being that turnaround program, that surging program. Again, Michigan, they're on an upswing. They're ready for conference play. They jump in the conference play next week. The question for Michigan is, can they keep that focus? Can they keep what they want to do relevant? They want to beat Ohio State. They want to beat Michigan State. They want to beat all these teams. It starts here. This is a litmus test of sorts for Colorado, for from both Michigan and Colorado. Colorado jumps in the Pac-12 play next week. Michigan jumps in the Big 10 play next week. This is a big litmus test for both teams. I think Michigan can I think Michigan will win this game. I don't think it'll be big as in three, four touchdowns. I think that this game has potential to be a blowout. But I also think that this game has potential to be very, very close. I like Cifa Lefau, uh, the quarterback for, for Colorado. I like the little bit of receivers. I like the couple of receivers that they have there. I like the running game. Mike McIntyre got his got his post on the on the on the team. Finally, after after four years, he's finally got his post on the team. Now, if they can avoid the injuries like they've had the last couple of years, this could be a really good Colorado team this year. Michigan loaded. Jabril Peppers, John O'Corn, 
Wilson Spade, those guys, you know, along with with the receiving core that they have, this is a really good Michigan team. I think Michigan can blow can blow Colorado out of the water, but I think that Colorado will keep it close. I think they'll win by two. Tu- I think Michigan will win by two touchdowns. I, I actually like Michigan by fourteen. I don't think that there'll be the big blowout. I think Colorado will, will cover the spread easily. They've got some high power type type offense as well. So let's just look at it from that standpoint. Um, I like Michigan by two touchdowns. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk Alabama, Ole Miss. We're gonna talk Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Missouri, and give you some and and um also some also some other games on the schedule. We'll be right back. Y'all take. We're gonna take a few moments. We'll be right back.
like I said, big shout out to them. Big shout out to Ray Baker uh, of Underground Sounds uh, as well. And um, also, I want to send out a shout out to to um, my man Kid Retro. That's K Double I D R E T R. Check out Turntable Thursdays. Also, check out my man T Rex uh, on Tuesdays uh, for the King of Underground Media Show uh, as well. So uh, let's get let's jump right back into into our conversation today. And we're talking high school. We're talking college football. The three thirty three thirty games. The big three thirty game. The the showcase game for me at three thirty is the this the showcase game for me is a three thirty game. Alabama Ole Miss. This is this is a big time matchup. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some things out to you. Purdue is on Purdue is the last team to beat a Nick Saban coach team three years in a row. Also in that in the, in that regard, there've only been two quarterbacks that have beaten Nick Saban twice in a beaten twice in his career. In their careers. One of them is Drew Brees. This is this is one of those matchups where this could be big. This could be a big time matchup for for Chad Kelly. This could vault him into that Heisman into the Heisman starting gates as well. You've got a good you've got a good running back, you've got a good quarterback. You've got a much improved defense, a defense that you didn't think that would be as good as they were. Yeah, even though they did lose, they did give up a lot of points to they give up forty four points to to Florida State in that opening game of the year. But this is a much better defense than people think. They'll be playing Vault Hemingway today. And this is this is a little bit of a of a proving ground for Alabama. If they can get over this hump Jalen Hurts, who who's a coach's son, very balanced, very even keel kind of guy. Very, he's just a really good, a really good, really good player. His brother plays at at Texas Southern, so you know what kind of pedigree that these two, that these two kids, these two guys have. I like Alabama in this matchup. I like Alabama in this matchup because of this. You've got a defense. That's prove that's that's proving that's gonna prove to you that they can stop the passing game. That they can play with temp they can play with the tempo teams. They've done it this season. Then they've looked good doing it. Now, this is the ultimate test because will Ole Miss speed up the game? Will Ole Miss do things that they that they should be doing? This is a good question. These are questions that, that need to be answered, that, that will be answered later on tonight. The X factor for me in this whole situation, the running back play at Alabama. If you can have the running back play at Alabama, you, you take so much off of Jalen Hurts. You take so much off Blake Barnett. You make them 
you make those two quarterbacks that much more better because you give them an opportunity, whether whoever's in in the game, you give them that opportunity to to do what they do best, which is throw the ball downfield, play action. They like to get they like to get the game going with their feet. They can do a lot of things. This is a lot of things that they can do, and this this is what makes this game a really strong game. This is what makes this game really really good for everybody. Chad Kelly can do the same thing. Will String Solo step up? Will other receivers step up in that in that receiving core like they did earlier in the season? Evan Ingram, players like that. You have a running game now. You know, Eric Swinney's out for the year. But you have a running game at Ole Miss that you didn't really have much of in the last in the last couple of years that you can rely on as well. So this is a good matchup. This is a good test for Alabama. This is a good test for Ole Miss. This could vault both these teams into – I mean, everybody in the West plays each other today except for – Except for except for Arkansas, who's still out of the conference, but this sets up the stage for Ole Miss to Ole Miss to to get to get to get themselves throw their hats in. This sets up for Auburn to throw their hats in. We'll talk about the Auburn game in just a second. This sets up LSU and Mississippi State to jump to, to throw their hats into the race. You know, this this is these are very good match these are very good matchups that we're going to see right now. Alabama, if they lose if they win and they win close, does that make them lose votes? If they win big, does this help them improve on on what they have? Will that make them unanimous? This is a these are all questions that that, that will be answered by the end of this game today. And like I said, Bo Scarborough is going to be – Bo Scarborough and that running game is going to be the main – it's going to be the big, big catalyst in this whole grand scheme of, of things. And I want people to understand this. Ole Miss – is good. Ole Miss could be could be really really good. I think Ole Miss can pull an upset. They've got to stay within themselves. They've got to play smart football. They play smart football, they'll win this game. Same thing with Alabama. If Alabama can can stay can stay clear of the penalties. The sloppiness that they've been playing with the last they played with both week one and and week two, then you you've got you you've got something special at Alabama. You've got something special at Alabama. And Ole Miss, they can get if they can get over if they can get over that hump. Make some timely defensive plays. Make some timely offensive plays. You've got, you've got a chance to pull off three wins in a row. You've got a chance. 
but you've got to play within yourself. That's just that's just the way that that's gonna go. But I like I like Alabama. I like Alabama to win this game. I think Alabama has a better is deeper. I think Alabama is better equipped defensively. I think Alabama has the. I mean, I think I think Ole Miss has a better quarterback, but. Alabama's got too many weapons. So I like Alabama in this matchup. I like Alabama to win. I think it's going to be closer than the 10 points that, that everybody thinks they're going to win by. I mean, I even think that this could this game could even be a field goal type game. I mean, this could be a field position battle. Uh, there will be points on the board, but this will be a field position battle. You got two good punters who can who can change field positions. J.K. Scott, Gary Wonderly, both can change field positions. Let's let's. This is all going to play out in all three phases of the game, and I, I, I'm liking it. So everybody, this this is a showcase game. Three thirty, three thirty game. The, the showcase of the three thirty games. Um, Alabama, Ole Miss. I, I I like I like Alabama. And I like Alabama closer. I like Alabama close. Uh, and field goal touchdown, you know, whatever way it goes. I mean, I know that the point spread is 10 points, but I, I just think it's going to be closer than that. Now we talk about – now we talk about later on Jordan Hare, um, Alabama A&M. Like, this is a good matchup. This is a litmus test for both A&M and Auburn. Auburn finally found themselves a quarterback. And I think Tom White playing playing lights out the way that he the way that he did last week. I think that this just shows you what kind of what kind of what kind of offense Auburn's gonna run. You you finally got carry on Johnson. To having fun again, to to playing that game, you finally got receivers who will catch the ball. You finally got people who's gonna catch the ball. And the other thing I like about this matchup is the defense. We're healthy. We're healthy after two games. This is a scary thing to be healthy after two games. After two games. Coming into our first conference matchup against a good A and M team who has who has a guy like like Trevor like like Trevor Knight who is playing a lot better than people thought that he was gonna play. I think this is this is my thoughts on this. If that front seven can be disruptive to Trevor Knight. We can be very successful. If we're not disruptive and we don't get the pressure that we need, we're going to get picked apart defensively. 
I think we have two really good corners. I think we have a really solid safety. I mean, yes, we've made a made a couple of, of little elementary mistakes in in regards to coverage, but I think that for the most part, if we can stay past that coverage and we can do do the things that that we that we'd like to do. This is gonna this is gonna make Auburn very very good defensively for Texas and M. This could be a, this could be a real good matchup as well. And I really just think that this is a toss up game. If Auburn can get. If Auburn can get some of the some of the kinks worked out, more the kinks worked out offensively, they can they can really, really, really throw a big monkey wrench into the SEC West. Throw a big monkey wrench into the SEC West. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say this. What needs to happen for Auburn to win this game? Is that we've got to be, we've got to play our game offensively. We've got to get, we've got to get at least, at least two turnovers on from the defense side of the ball. On the flip side, we look at we look at A and M. What they have to do, they have to play within themselves. They haven't found that go-to receiver as of yet. They've been spreading the ball out just like just like Auburn has. Defensively, they're a lot better than people thought they would be. But here is the bigger issue. If it comes down to a field goal game, does AM have the pedigree of kicker that Auburn has? That's what's going to come – for me, this is what's going to come down to. If we keep it close – if Auburn keeps it close or if they jump out to a lead, will Auburn keep that lead safe? This is a big, this is a big three weeks for Auburn from this standpoint. You have – you're going to go through a bit of a murderer's road in, in the SEC West in, in the next couple of weeks. And the way I look at it is this. Break out the old trusty dusty schedule here. One second. Now you break out that trusty dusty schedule here. And we look at all the schedule. And Auburn has a murderer has has a bit of a murderer's row. You know, first three first three matchups out. You have Andem this week, LSU next week. I mean, you have a little relief with Louisiana Monroe coming in, but then you're at Mississippi State. You have an off week, and then you're back at it again. You have Arkansas, Ole Miss. 
Vandy, Georgia. Then you have a bit of a break with A and M with Alabama A and M come Alabama A and M coming in. And then you have Alabama to end the season. This is a murderous row of games from this week, next week, you get a bit of a break, and then you go to Mississippi State. You have Arkansas at home. You have you have to go to Ole Miss. You have to go to Georgia, and you have to go to Alabama. This is a hit or miss for for uh, for Auburn. This starts that chain reaction of games. Again, we look and then we look at look at A and M schedule. This sets up a chain of games for them as well. Four, five tough games. Luckily, they have off week, and then they play at Alabama. You know, they have our, they're here they're here in Auburn this week. They have Arkansas and Arlington. And Arlington, a big rivalry game there. Then they go to South Carolina. Then they have Tennessee at home. This, this is a this this is a big this is a big game for both A and M and Auburn from this regard. The winner of this game kickstarts the rest of their season. And for Auburn, it's probably more important for Auburn to to do that because all their games in the next five weeks, six weeks are all divisional games except for Louisiana Monroe. The only two other their crossover games are late in the season. But everybody else in the West, they're all right there. All divisional games up until up until they play Vandy at Vandy. Well up until they play Vandy at home. This for me, Auburn has this is a must win for Auburn in regards to to the West. This is a must win. This is a must win for Auburn, more so than this A and M. Because A and M has everything stretched out. Where they can play where they can afford to lose a game here and there. But maybe lose one game if if they can. Because the rest of the season gonna play itself out with them. Whereas Auburn they're front end heavy with the divisional with the divisional play. So it doesn't bode well for Auburn if they lose this game. So this is why I'm saying this is a big, big game for Auburn from that regard. Do I think Auburn will win this game? I think the key to Auburn winning this game is not only the kicking game, but getting carry on Johnson carries, getting him touches on the ball. John Franklin III, getting him touches on the ball. You saw what he could do when he got when he gets touches on the ball. So, that being said, and it's the flip side as well. If A and M can get things going defensively, they get a turnover or two. This could be a different game. This is this is the point I'm trying to make. This is important, but I like Auburn in this game. I like Auburn in this game because they've got the home crowd. They've got they've got a hot quarterback. Not only do they have a hot quarterback, they've also got they've also found a way to get the running game going with Kerryon Johnson and those guys. Now this is going to be a closer than expected game. I like I like 
Auburn by a touchdown, if not less. I think Auburn has has the better defense, but it's Kevin Steele versus John Chavis. It's Red Lashley versus John Chavis. You know, what defense is going to break first? And that's the way that, that everybody's going to look at this. What defense is going to make that first mistake? What what offense is going to make the, the first mistake? Who's going to have the ball last? That's what it's going to come down to. But Auburn, Auburn should win this game. I, I think they'll win this game by a touchdown. Let's move forward. Let's talk about – let's talk another big game around the SEC. Georgia-Missouri, they, they, they step in the conference play for the first time this year. Georgia going to Missouri – They've got to they've got to rectify that quarterback situation and they've got to rectify it quickly. Jacob Reason didn't play bad. Jason Lambert didn't play bad. They just couldn't get anything going with the running game. I mean basically what happened last last week was this. <laughs> and I think people will agree with me on this. Nichols, Nichols actually keyed on the running game. They know that the strength of Georgia was the running game, and if they get the running game going, they get the play action going. This is what made this is what made Georgia struggle last week. It wasn't the quarterback play at all. Threw one interception. That one interception, I mean, it was a it was a bad throw. Let's just put it that way. It was a bad throw. But when you couldn't get the running game going, you definitely couldn't get that get that passing game going because Georgia relies on the running game to get the to get the the passing game going. That's just that's just it, you know. And I really like the matchup between Georgia and and Missouri. I think Missouri is a better than I think Missouri is better than advertised. So uh for real. Um I think Coach Odom I think Coach Odom has a has a pretty good matchup there. I think he's got the quarterbacks to do it. and I think that defense is a lot better than people than than, than people envision that they would be. So from that standpoint we look at it from this standpoint. Can Georgia, can Missouri beat Georgia? Yes. They've done it a couple of years in a row. Can Georgia get off the schneid? Yes. But they've got to find a quarterback that's going to be reliable, That's going that, that they need to settle on. They need to settle on the quarterback. I mean, I think Jacob Eason is the answer. I think you need to stick with him. I think that he that he's he he needs to be there. I think he needs to be out there. That's, that's just my just my thought. I think Georgia will win this game. I think Georgia has. I think Georgia. Has, you know, the running game is better for Georgia. They can control the game. They can control what Missouri does offensively. You know that quick strike, no huddle type deal that they have under Josh Heupel. Um. So I mean I I like Georgia because of the way that they play. Uh, I just think that Georgia will win this game. Now we look now we look at we look at the later games. 
and this is this is very important to everybody. This is a big game for everybody, and and um, you know, I will say this. One of the games that I really, really am looking forward to is I really want to see what USC and Stanford is all about. Um, here's the reason why I say that. This is this is the time where Christian McCaffrey needs to shine. This is the time, you know, he's finally playing a game. He's finally playing a game before 1030 on Eastern time zone. He was, I mean, I'm going to say this, and a lot of people will, will disagree with me because no, I'm an SEC guy, and I love the SEC, and everybody knows I love the SEC. No, I'm I'm an Auburn guy today. I die, but the best player did not win the Heisman Trophy last year, and who I felt was the best player last year was Christian McCaffrey, and you're going to see why he was the best player. You're going to see why. What makes him such a great, great athlete? You're gonna you're gonna see all these things of what makes him such a great athlete because he's gonna bring something so different to to everybody. And I want you I want you to watch the way he runs, I want you to watch the way he he operates. I mean, he's so multidimensional, and he looks better this year than he did last year. Does that mean that he'll put up the numbers that he did last year? That's yet to be seen. But the way that he played against K State, the way that he's played, the way that he played last week, it leads me to believe that he that he is definitely in that running to be to be in the Heisman race again. And he's only a junior. He's only a junior. So, you know, let's look at it from that standpoint. I think you I think Stanford will win this game handily. I, I, I really believe that Stanford will win this game handily. Uh I don't think I think it'll be a blowout. I don't think Clay Helton has the type of defense that he wants to have. I don't think that Clay Helton has the type of personnel that he wants. I just he, I don't he he doesn't look like he he's really comfortable with what he has. With that being said, though, I mean, you got a good quarterback, you got George Jackson, you got some got some good receivers, and you got a you got a solid running game. So you know that could that could bode well for you to make it close. But I, I just don't I don't see it being close at all. Now. One, the two of the other games that that I'm that I'm just really just keen and really excited for, um, uh, I'm really really excited for the for the Notre Dame Michigan State game, and and I'm excited for this game because for the Notre Dame Michigan State game from this standpoint, you have a really good Michigan State team who 
they found they they found themselves identity wise. Um, with a quarterback like O'Connor, um, with running game they have, I mean they found themselves, they found themselves, and they found themselves pretty quick. And this is exciting for 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 Michigan State in that standpoint because they don't have to go look for that next kind of cook because you already got them. You know, and then and then next year when when O'Connor graduates, you've got another guy that can step in. That's gonna step in and just be absolutely lights out. It's gonna be a baller. You know, and um, you know, it's gonna be a baller. Now Notre Dame, you've you've got the best situation. You've got two quarterbacks that can just outright display. Malik Zaire. Deshaun Kaiser, you know what you're going to get out of both of them. They can run, they can throw. Deshaun needs to clean up a couple. Uh, needs to clean up a couple things. You know he's still raw, and he's still new to the to the to the Kelly offense, to the Brian Kelly offense. That's what make, this is what's going to make make or break this team, pretty much. Michigan State still got that still got that style defense. But can Notre Dame stop the run? Can Notre Dame stop the pass? Uh we all know that the Michigan State's gonna pass the ball gonna, gonna throw the ball a little bit. We all know that the Michigan State's gonna just pound just gonna try to pound away at you. So that that's that's the question that we have. What Michigan State team's gonna show up? What uh, what Notre Dame teams gonna show up? This has always been a classic. This is a classic matchup. This is a classic thing, and this is this is a real classic right here. And you know we're looking at one of the blue bloods. We're looking at one of the blue bloods in, in college football. And I bring up blue bloods, and, I, and I'll get to that in just a second of why I think. Why I call Notre Dame a blue blood, and um, State, I mean, you can throw them up there as well. But I like Notre Dame in this matchup. I think that they've got superior running game. Defensively, they they look very sound, look very solid. This is a team that's on the rise. This is a team that could be two and that could have been two and zero, oh, but they're but they're one and one. I mean, they played a really good Texas team opening game of the season. They fought tooth and nail. This is a they, and again, Michigan State was on center one time, but this is the, the Michigan State team against a really good Notre Dame team. Notre Dame wins this game. This kick starts Notre Dame's aspirations, playoff aspirations, and and with Notre and with Notre Dame playing an ACC heavy schedule, that. This is this, this makes this it makes this game much more important uh, because you know the, the threshold still remains for for Notre Dame nine wins nine wins and if they're in the top ten you know they 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 become a playoff team um, you know this, this is a jump start for them you know they've have we've got Michigan State next they've got Michigan State this week. They're home to Duke next week. They have Syracuse. They're at they're at Syracuse. They're at 
in well, they're at Syracuse in, in East Rutherford. Um, it's a home game for Syracuse. Um, they're at NC State. Then they have Stanford middle of the season, then an off week, and then they renew that rivalry with Miami, Army, Navy, both both um, excuse me, both uh, neutral site games. Then they have Virginia Tech and they finish up with USC. This is a very good schedule. This is a very good schedule for Notre Dame. This could kick start their season. Michigan State, on the other hand, can kick start their season as well. Michigan State, um, I think they'll jump in the they will jump in the Big Ten play um in two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, I think. I think it's two weeks for for Michigan State before they jump in the Actually, no. It's next week. They jump in the after after this game. They have eleven straight games, and they jump in the they jump in the conference play right off the bat next week with Wisconsin. So this is a big this is a litmus test for for um, the Spartans as well. So we're looking at some we're looking at some at some great things that's going to happen uh, right now, and and um, I'm just really excited. I'm just really excited for for how this is gonna work out. And finally, the the last game that we're gonna that we're gonna uh preview. Ohio State, Oklahoma. <laughs> Two true blue bloods of, of of college football. Um you you've got probably the top ten you've probably got two the two winning this programs in all of in, in all of college football. Um, you know they're in that top ten in winning programs. They're in that top ten in winning percentage. You know we, we know about the national championships that they've won between the, between the um, between the two of them. You know there, there's there's thirteen national championships between the two of them. So you know you're looking at two true blue bloods of Oklahoma. I love what they're gonna. I love Oklahoma. The debacle that they had against Houston will show. Will show his ugly. Will show his ugly side. You know, next week they're in conference play, and they're in conference play the rest of the year. This is a big time matchup. This has this has college football playoff implications all over it. I said in my blog a couple of weeks ago after after Oklahoma loses, they've got to they've got to make it through. <laughs> they've got to make it through conference play unscathed, and they've got to win. They've got to have a big win. Um, they've got to win out. This is going to be a hard thing to do to win out against Ohio State, but especially with a focused JT Baird who who is very who is very very very. Confident in his abilities now, when he really wasn't. You have a really good, really good defense for Ohio State. You you finally found a running back that can complement that can complement a guy like J.C. Barrett. You've got you've gotten J.C. Barrett in, in in a situation to where it. It makes very good light of what 
shouldn't really happen in Ohio State. Urban Meyer has it going. The key to this game is this. Baker Mayfield, some AJ Piran. You get the running game going first. You get the pace going. You get the tempo for Oklahoma. Oklahoma has to play tempo. There, there's no doubt about it. They've got to play tempo. They've got to play within themselves. They've got to get the running game going. They have to get some AJ Piran touches. They have to give. They have to give Baker Mayfield some time in the pocket. They haven't done that in, in the first two games at all. Um, Samaj Piran hasn't hasn't touched the ball as much. I, I expect Samaj Piran to get about 30, 40 touches tonight. Um, whether it's running the ball, whether it's catching the ball, he's got to have touches on the ball. Whether he's catching the ball or backfield, whether he's running the ball. Period. And this is one of those games where, if you look at you look at the grand scheme of it, this is a must win for Oklahoma. I mean. Every game from here on out for Oklahoma is a must-win, simply because of what they have in conference. They've got to go to TCU. They've got to go. I mean, you know, they've they've got some big-time matchups that they have to they have to defend, they have to uh, really worry about. Um, you know, Oklahoma. You know. The off week, you know, the off week hits them very, very quickly, and then, you know, they're at TC. They have to go to TCU there, and then they then they play uh, Texas. You know, you know, you got two weeks. You, know, you got two weeks. You know, and then they play TCU, and then after that, in three weeks, they got they got Texas in Dallas and at the Cotton Bowl, and then. K State, you know they they got to go to TCU. They got to go to they got to go to Texas Tech. They got to go to Iowa State. They have West Virginia, and they're home to Oklahoma State. This is some this is some big time matchups. Some big time matchups from here on out. You you know that you got a good t- TCU team in in a couple of weeks. Is TCU as good as advertised? Not as good as they as they as they've been defensively. You know that they're, they're, they're going through a little bit of a rebuilding, recycling type of deal. Um, so in Oklahoma, I mean, you've got you've got things that they have to work on, and then Ohio State, you know, they're off next week as well, and then they jump in the Big Twelve, they jump in the Big Ten play with Rutgers. You know, this, like I said, even though even though Ohio State's undefeated. They want to keep that record, that undefeated record, going. This is this is what they need to do. They need to get a win tonight, and they have to they and they they have to run the ball to be successful. And once they run the ball to be successful, they can throw the ball over the top all day long and and just absolutely just just be the be that team that that they want to be. But for Oklahoma, it has to be tempo. Defensively, they have to stop the tempo of Ohio State. You know, they have to do that. They have, to, they have, they absolutely got to get stops. When they get stops, that's when you'll see what kind of what kind of team Oklahoma is. Defensively, offensively, that's when you can see what kind of team that that Oklahoma is. Ohio State, 
what you see is what you're going to get. And that's the scary part with Ohio State is that offensively they can, they'll ball out. Defensively they'll ball out. They still got a little bit of depth issues on that, on that defensive line. But I, I can see Ohio State winning this game going into going into uh, I I always want to call it Owen Field. I mean it's always it's always going to be Owen Field to me. Um, I can see them going to Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, Gaylord Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, and taking a win from Oklahoma. I can also see Oklahoma being the Oklahoma teams of old and winning and winning games against Ohio State you know, against upper-level Power 5 conference teams. So this is this is a really good matchup of two true blue bloods uh, of college football. And um, like I said, I like Ohio State. I think Ohio State will win this game. Um, I don't think it, I don't think they'll win it. I don't think they'll have that that big time convincing wins like they've had the first two games of the year. But I really think that Ohio State can win. They can win this game by two, three touchdowns. But I think it'll be I think no more than two touchdowns. Uh no more than two touchdowns. And that's some of the rundown of some of the games that we have tonight and you know another game that that we haven't really talked about. You UCLA BYU, that's another that's another good game uh out in Provo. Um that's a litmus test for, for UCLA. You no know, UCLA lost to lost late to um to A and M in overtime and you know and they bounced back last week with a pretty good victory. BYU lost to uh, they lost last week to Utah after after a pretty good win over 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 uh, Arizona to open their season, so you we're looking at looking at two pretty good teams. Josh Rosen, again, he's got to. We're looking at Josh Rosen, and the one thing I want to see is a progression type of Josh Rosen. I want to see, and from the BYU side, I want to see if <laughs> if Taysom Hill. Can stay healthy and not be paper thin like he's been the last three years where he's where he's lost full years due to injuries and uh, torn ACL one year, broken uh, list uh, torn ACL one year, um, broken foot one broken foot last year, well broken ankle last year, and well broken ankle year before last year the list rank injury so. Um, so we're looking at it from that standpoint, and um, I'm just I'm, I'm really looking forward to that matchup as well. So, um, like I said, some really good matchups this weekend. And uh, again, you know, you're looking at some of the again. I mean, you can even throw BYU and, and UCLA into that blue blood category, um, and that we'll talk about. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But uh, we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. Y'all listen to y'all, y'all check out my man Marquise Wineglass. Oh, 
Out of here, and I just want to give a special thanks to all the people that that support us and 
and uh, everyone around us. And special shout outs to uh, again, special shout outs to Marquise Wineglass, Jigsaw, Claire Hersey, uh, Monet Jones, uh, Nina Monet, uh, Denise Lissette, uh, Monica Brewer, B3. Uh, I'm missing some people. Polo, <laughs> Polo, uh, Black, uh, Hated Baby, uh, so on and so forth, man, that, that have been a part of the network. Um, also have supported me and, uh, gotten the word out for me to, uh, to make this, to make this a success for me as well. Uh, special shout out to Win to, uh, the admin Wendy, uh, T-Rex. Casey, Cordier, uh, DJ EA, Kid Retro, you know, we are what we are, and uh, we are the, we are the Live by Chance Network, and, and um, again, uh, oh yeah, also a special shout out to my man Connor Cassidy, who's doing this thing back up in Boston, man, uh, hope you're feeling better, hope to hear from you soon, uh, special shout out, also a shout out to, uh, to Young Scoop, uh, Marquise Daniels, aka the Q, the real Q6, um, uh, Quentin Groves is doing big things with the Caribbean Football Association. Um, also, Damon Duvall, um, who who will be on the show uh, again pretty soon. Uh, we're trying to trying to get the particulars with that um, pretty soon. Also. Um, also, my parents, everybody involved. Um, I know that everybody's probably going to be going to, to football games. If you're in Auburn, y'all be careful, War Eagle. If you're going to LSU, uh, some of the LSU fans that I know are, are at LSU uh, partying up. Uh, y'all eat some gumbo and, and some and some low country bowl for me. Go Tigers. Um Alabama fans who are at Ole Miss, the Ole Miss fans who are at Ole Miss, uh, y'all in the Grove, y'all, um, y'all be, y'all be careful and don't be too hostile. I'm a well, and uh, I'll be sure to wear me a suit the next time I come up there. <laughs> so with that being said, man, everybody have a great weekend. Uh, be safe, whatever you do, do it responsibly. Um, also, um. Just have fun. Root for your teams. Let's go tailgating. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. You can't rescue me. Oh, I can't? You can't save me, no. But I can try, right? <laughs> yeah. But what then? You know, that ain't so bad. 
Yeah, I saw the girl I love for you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy and then I turned to a man on my own. The long walk for the pack, moving through hella crap. Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around. And the summer I'm falling for you is going down. Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine. And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind. Think I'm the one that that's just something I'm reaching to find. Out of control, but yo, that shit that I still been denying. Yeah, the lights down, but we staying up. And looking back where I started, my only way is up. Weight of the world, but I lived it before the weight is up. And still myself the one and only that I came to trust. Now that's some crazy luck. Yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit. Yeah. Uh, and she just keeps saying. You can't rescue me. Oh, nah. You can't save me, no. You know what? Maybe you're right. Well, what you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought realistic. Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it. Said only I can reach it. And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone, I'll be here in spirit so you can hear this. Yeah, well these rappers stuck on the same product Tell them forget it, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it Friday, whipping through the horizon My timing is something better than it's ever been They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz Hip-hop's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence Back to the wall where I started back in the day I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight Trying to show the all those around me that I can stand on my own Now I swear I'm Afraid of nothing, I'm screaming that through the phone While I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal How I ran up the standards of how we live it. It's funny, they pull the camera The pics of how I'ma get it when years I've been in my zone And it's just how I started by killing this on my own My word is my bond And I'm just out on my own